0: Welcome to We Are the Guard, the Arkansas National Guard's podcast. I'm your host, Lieutenant Colonel Brian Mason, the State Public Affairs Officer. This edition of We Are the Guard is a continuation of our series of Women in Command, and today we're speaking with Lieutenant Colonel Betty Dufour, Commander of the 777th Aviation Support Battalion. Please tell our listeners about yourself.
1: Okay, um, I am Betty Dufour, as you said, Lieutenant Colonel and Commander at the 777th. I joined the military in 1996, enlisting in an aviation unit um, as a legal clerk. I commissioned through ROTC later and um, commissioned as an army aviator into 1st the 114th Aviation Support Battalion.
0: Well, welcome to We Are the Guard, Lieutenant Colonel DeFour, and congratulations on your command. So what would you say is the most rewarding part of your job as a commander?
1: So the most rewarding thing about being a commander is mentoring and um, having that opportunity to engage soldiers and help them to identify and achieve their goals in order to live their full potential is incredibly rewarding. And it's also humbling for me. As a commander, we can make an immense impact on the soldiers we are entrusted to lead. This is not a position of trust I take lightly. Making a difference has always been one of my big motivators as both a person and a leader.
0: Every person in uniform has got to have a support network. Right. And that could be a family. That could be, right. uh, you know, our friends. That could be uh, the folks that we visit every Sunday in church. Um, how does that relate to the unique challenges of being in command? How important are those support networks in command?
1: So the importance of support networks in command for you as the leader, they're vital to help you to retain the ability to give everything that you have to the people that you're leading because you have to be 100% on when you're with your soldiers. And the importance to your teammates in understanding that they need that support network is going to be the key difference between inclusion and an environment that fosters growth and loneliness, isolation, depression, and the things that sometimes the military suffers with suicide rates and um, addictions. And so... To me, the most important challenge is making sure that I have the support network I need and that my subordinates, my peers and my friends have their support networks so that we can all be that family for each other that we need to be.
0: We've got some unique challenges coming up with a new Army combat fitness test. Yes. Uh, as a commander, what are you guys doing to get prepare everyone for that?
1: So we've been doing regular ACFT prep and work, and um, we keep the equipment out during IDT weekends to do skill building in different areas. And that was one of the things when I came into command that I was Very adamant about that. I wanted us to be doing skill building every IDT weekend and that we absolutely have physical fitness. We stop all work at a certain point on Sunday so we can have physical fitness and still get people on the road in time to have dinner with their family. Um, it's not training to time, but it's trying to build that physical fitness that we need and making sure that our soldiers understand that they're important enough to us to get them home to their family for dinner on Sunday.
0: You're an 05 level commander and you've got what I call an electronic leash. Yes. Your cell phone. Oh, yes. Sometimes we feel like we're never really off duty. So how do you balance, work, life?
1: Um, honestly, I don't. Um, I the, the best I do is that I do make time for physical fitness, um, but I am always available to take those calls. I mean, I'm commanding the battalion and the airfield. So there's missions that happen that need my approval because they're medium risk. And that means that I have to be ready all the time. I have to answer my phone all the time. And I have to understand that you're never really off work whenever you are in a leadership position or a position of great trust.
0: What are some of the things that worry you as a commander? What keeps you up at night?
1: If something were to happen, keeps me up. The Did we properly do all the maintenance so that the aircraft that people are getting into are safe to fly? That keeps me up at night Um, and just the are we doing the right thing for our full time and traditional soldiers to make sure that they have the tools and resources that they need if they hit a hard time or or whatever. I mean, because for everybody, it's different. Every situation is incredibly complex with the full-time employees. Um, I lose sleep when my full-time employees aren't getting paid. I mean, that's, like, that's a big deal. That's life. And um, I, I probably get too emotionally vested in the people that work with me but I don't think you can be, I think you either are emotionally invested or you're not. And for me, it's who I am to be invested all the way. So I'm worried about, are they getting paid? Are they safe? Is the equipment safe to operate? Are they properly trained to do the mission that they're doing? Have we looked at the weather? Is the weather changing? Are we looking at that for them and following up? And do they know that I absolutely have their back no matter what, and I will take any chewing that I need to get because I'm protecting my people?
0: Are there things about command that you could just do without? I mean, what do you hate? Logistics? Do you hate dealing with budgets? What What's something that you could just let somebody else handle?
1: Um. No. I love it all. And um, as somebody who is a little bit introverted, I do leave at the end of the day empty. And um, if there was a way to like refill myself quicker, then that would be great. But the people that I'm leading, they're my family. (laughs) And um, I wish that they didn't have so many problems to deal with. But... I would not want them to take, to, I would not want them to not feel safe bringing their problems to me. Um, and I can't think of anything that I would give up. I mean,
0: do you still get to fly?
1: I do. Um, So I'm doing readiness progression, which is another complexity to this whole thing. So I haven't flown in six years and I'm um, relearning to fly the helicopter. And that's a lot of stress as well.
0: Well, that's right. You did leave us for a while.
1: I did. Yes.
0: What was that like?
1: Um, For me, it was fantastic. Um, I was able to work in a very dynamic, fast paced environment I was able to become an expert in things that I hadn't done before that and get the respect of the people that I was working with at Headquarters DA and in the National Guard Bureau. And for me, that was very fulfilling. And to know that the things that I was doing impacted the soldiers on the ground. And if I didn't do them right, then the soldiers on the ground wouldn't get what they needed. Um, That for me, was incredibly fulfilling. It was long hours. It was a different layer of stress. Um, The National Guard, M-Day, Title 32 side of the house, you're filling two roles. I'm a commander of an airfield and a battalion. I'm flying helicopters. Different than one job, one job only that takes about the same amount of hours.
0: Fast-paced and hectic, I've heard D.C. described in other ways.
1: Yeah, I like it. I mean, everybody's different. Some people hate the pace of it and the public transportation and the dirtiness, but I enjoyed that, too. And I enjoy this. I love going home to Mama in Stevens, Arkansas, one red light, no restaurants to speak of. Well, there's Nels, and Nell's is great, but it's only open for short hours, and it's just one of those little holes in the wall. Nell's. Yeah.
0: What's their specialty?
1: It's just home-cooked food.
0: Yeah. Gotta love that.
1: So, um, but yes, I love both. I am a happy person generally, so I'm going to find joy wherever I am and whatever I'm doing.
0: We're talking to Lieutenant Colonel Betty DeFour, commander of the 777th Aviation Support Battalion. Changing a culture isn't easy, but you've seen it. How do you judge your command climate when you first came in? Did you recognize the need for uh, perhaps a changed culture there?
1: Some of the things that I put in place going into command was an anonymous survey that the soldiers fill out at the end of the IDT weekend. They just select a smiley face or a sad face and make some comments if they want to. Um, The intent behind that was I want to know what their experience is. And what I put out when I first came in in my 101 briefing with my commanders and staff is the leading metric that we're doing our job right is that our soldiers are busy, they're training, and they're happy, they're smiling. Our lagging metric is going to be these exit interviews. And hopefully they'll come less frequently. And hopefully when they do come, the soldier will say getting out because of some other thing that doesn't have to do with a negative experience in the National Guard. Um, That's one of my biggest priorities in the battalion. Um, My battalion is, it is heavier male. Um, but racially I would say it's very diverse in comparison with some of the other organizations in the state. And I feel like we're doing, I hope i have only been there six months. I feel like we're moving in the right direction, but I think that we'll know more in about three or four months, um, depending on what's happening with our soldiers
0: To what do you attribute your successes?
1: Um, I was the oldest child of a single mother. I got bullied a lot, and I had to stand up to bullies. I think raw grit and determination got me where I am today. Um, But in addition to raw grit, I have had a support system of non-commissioned officers, warrant officers, and commissioned officers since I was a private E2 in that unit. I'm still very close with some of the NCOs that groomed me. Many of them have retired, but I'm still very close with them. And they've been my mentor, my voice, my my conscience in different points. And I think that that has definitely shaped me as a leader. The other thing that shaped me as a leader is working for challenging bosses. Um, they helped me to know how I wanted to lead and what I would not do to another human being. Um, I recognize, based on some of the people that I worked on, worked with, and for, that the smallest way that I say something in my unit is going to make a difference to the soldiers who work for me. I want to be the leader that's predictable, poised under pressure, understanding, and willing to accept the setback if the end result is that the unit is gonna learn. Um, That is incredibly important to me and I would not have gotten there if I hadn't worked for people that were not very good leaders. (laughs) Also working for supportive leaders helped me to understand that compassion doesn't equal weakness. Um, It took 20 years to realize that I can be myself, which means I smile in those pictures, (laughs) and still be a senior leader. And I don't have to pretend to have all the answers, because honestly, we all know that nobody does. And the clowns who pretend they do are just putting up a facade anyway. Um, I will say that getting here took me watching good leaders and toxic leaders. Um, I had to learn how to take the best out of both and try not to bring any new bad habits in. Um I live every day one at a time. I try to make today better than yesterday. I try not to make the same mistake more than once, but I do all the time even though I try not to. Um, I try to listen to my NCOs, listen to my Warrant Officers, listen to my commissioned officer, peers, subordinates and superiors. And I try to be the leader that I would want to follow. And if I can do that and I can feel like my nephew would be safe working for me, then I feel like the soldiers in my command can be safe working for me. And it's not about me. It's about the future of the organization. It's about the soldiers I lead and making sure they're trained and equipped both mentally, physically, and emotionally. For each challenge, and it's about preparing them to be better leaders than those of us that preceded them.
0: You don't get to see every soldier every drill weekend. Yeah. They're listening. Yeah. So, other than things like do push-ups mm-hmm. or eat less, run more. Okay. Uh, what would you say to them now?
1: The soldiers in the 777th Aviation Support Battalion are my number one priority. And I hope that my actions and my words always line up on that note. If they ever don't, I want the soldiers in my unit to call me out. Whether they use the anonymous survey or some other portion, I want them to call me out. Because if I'm not living what I'm saying, then how can I expect them to do the same? And other than that, I want the soldiers in my unit to understand that their future matters to me and what they want to do and helping them to find what they love in this organization and to achieve their full potential and not to allow any circumstances that can be overcome to stand in their way.
0: We're speaking with Lieutenant Colonel Betty DeFour, Commander of the 777th Aviation Support Battalion. Ma'am, thanks for joining us today on We Are the Guard.
1: Thank you so much for having me.